Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. Glad you're here. If you're visiting and I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you after the service if you have time. Uh, join us online. Usually try to remind the people here that um, watching online is better than not being able to watch it all, but, um, but that's not enough. And so I, last Sunday, I was one of those people and was really glad to be able to to participate in that way and, and just to, to be able to hear God speak through Nick and other leaders last weekend, but, but also felt the loneliness side of that, um, just missing you. And so if you're watching at home um, or at work later in the week, wherever you're tuning in, just know that we miss you. Wish you could be here in person, but glad you could connect this way. Um, we are going to be in First Peter chapter 5. Uh, we are um, about today and then two more weeks we'll be done with First Peter. And then uh, we've got Mother's Day coming up, and then we're going to go through 2 Peter. I'm excited to get to do that with you. The theme's going to shift a little bit going from 1 Peter to 2 Peter. Um, today, the, the, really the, the topic um, we're going to be talking about is not just church leadership, but the dynamic between church leadership and church members. And I really hope that, um, two things, I, I hope that you learn something today. I really do. Well, I hope that you'll learn something today about how God has designed and even ordered the church, um, as Mike was talking about, as he was praying, and, um, and that you'll move towards that order and, and move towards blessing. Um, sometimes when we hear that word blessing, we think about like one-off gifts that are unexpected, the miracle, the thing that wasn't anticipated, and those things happen with the Lord. But you know, there's blessing found in just moving towards how he has ordered things to be. He actually created the universe to be a blessing. It's the, it's the curse of sin that kind of messed everything up. And so in your home, in your, like in your marriage, when you move towards the way God has ordered it, um, you'll find blessing there. And same thing in, in parenting. Uh, if you're here and you're a kid or student, like as strange as it might seem, there's blessing to be had by noticing how God has ordered the family and then moving towards that order. Um, I believe the same thing is true in church. Um, and so we're going to be looking at uh, first Peter chapter 5, first, first five verses. I'm going to read uh, the first three verses. Uh, and we'll stop and we'll chat a little bit more. So beginning in uh, verse 1. So I, and this is Peter writing, exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And here's what he says. So he's identifying himself. He's saying, hey, I'm one of you. I'm an elder with you. Verse 2, he exhorts these elders to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We'll stop there and, and, and chat a little bit about this. So um, passages like this and others, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, um, in the New Testament are going to begin to paint a picture of um, the, way, the order, I'll just use that word, the order of the church, the, order, the way God has organized the church to work and how he has designed leadership to function in the church in a way that it leads to blessing and what he wants for the church members to get out of having leaders in the church and so here you got, you got a guy who was actually one of the 12 disciples. Uh, he was the one who denied Jesus three times. And then after the resurrection, he's the one 
um, that Jesus reinstated. And the way he reinstated Peter was, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, then feed my sheep. And that's a, that's a, that happens three times. And essentially, the ministry that Jesus was inviting Peter into was a ministry of caring for people in a way that was similar to the way a shepherd cares for sheep. And so then after the resurrection, Peter is a part of the church getting started. He's, he's one of the apostles. And he's also identifying himself as an elder. Okay, and so he's saying, as a fellow elder, I'm speaking first of all to the church leaders who are elders. Well, in the New Testament, you're gonna begin to see that um, when you're trying to like pin down titles, that there are three titles that get used interchangeably to describe the ones who God has put in the church to be these shepherds. And one of those words is the word we get elder. Okay, and so another, and Titus uses that word in Titus 1. Paul's writing to Titus, said, hey, you need to put some things in place. There's some things missing from the church. I need you to appoint elders, and uses that word elder. Um, in 1 Timothy 3, though, the word Paul uses when he's talking to Timothy is um, the word overseer. If anybody desires to be an overseer, he desires a noble task. Um, here in 1 Peter, we see he's using the word elder, but he actually uses two verbs that are, that are the, essentially the verb that coincides with the noun of those other two titles. So he says, shepherd the flock, okay? So that shepherd word um, is the word we translate into pastor. That's what it means to pastor. It's like Jesus said to Peter, go care for the sheep, shepherd the sheep. That's the word pastor, okay? So it's, it's, the, it's, 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 it's the idea of pastoring uh, or shepherding people. But then he also says in verse two, exercise oversight, so that's your, as an elder, you're going to be shepherding. You're going to exercise oversight. That word oversight, the root of that word is the word used in 1 Timothy 3 to talk about overseers. And it depends on what passage you're in. And we'll look at a few, which title gets used. But the idea is there's these three titles given uh, to this, this group of men who are leading in the church. And those titles tell us something about what they're supposed to be doing. And so here at Solid Rock, you just heard Mike come up and he's one of our elders and you may have, see run into Pastor Blake later today and go, oh, this is Pastor Blake. Well, what do we mean when we use these titles? I'm going to walk you through these three titles and just kind of help you kind of get your head wrapped around um, what I believe that the scriptures paint for church leadership. Um, the first one is this, we'll look at his elder, okay? So the idea of an elder is this. This word can also get translated as presbyter. So you may have come from a faith tradition that uses that word. It's the same word presbyter um, it also could be literally just mean the oldest or the most experienced it was also used in the greek language to describe a person of counsel or wisdom okay and so you see that the the uh, the greeks would use this word the jews would use this word and the christians would use this word um, to describe this person who essentially was a wise counselor a wise counselor a person of experience wisdom and authority the first century, when you heard that title, that's what that title was attempting to convey. That this person is, in fact, a person of experience, wisdom, and authority. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, now from, this is um, uh, a, a record of um, a, a kind of a situation between Paul and the elders in Ephesus, this whole chapter here. Um, but here's what we read in verse 17. Now from Miletus, or Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Okay, so it's Paul. 
He needs to speak to the, these, these guys that are leading the church, and so he calls for the elders. And we're going to see just a few verses later, they're going to get called something else. Okay, so these titles are inter- interchangeable. Now, the next word is the, the idea of the overseer. Um, this is where we would get Episcopos or the Episcopalian uh, denomination. So you might come from a faith tradition that's more familiar with this word, uh, that is overseer. It's the idea of somebody who's a watcher, like a, um, a guardian, um, or sometimes gets translated bishop. Uh, and again, you may have come from, a, like, grown up in a church where that gets used. The only person who ever calls me bishop is uh, Patty Forsyth, if you know who that is. Uh, she likes to come up with names for people here in our church, one of our elders' wives, and so she'll call me bishop. Um, but that comes from this word overseer. Um, and so a way to think about this person or this title is that this person is a steward. Okay, this person is a steward. Um, it's a person who is responsible for seeing that things are done correctly by others. That's their job. So some of you work in that capacity. You're a manager, um, you're a director, but you're a steward. You're, in a sense, you're not just telling people what to do. You're kind of protecting assets and you're, you're managing uh, people in a way um, where whatever company you're involved in thrives and is reaches his goals and those sorts of things, but you're there to make sure everything is done according to procedures, done correctly. It's an overseer. It's a steward. And then this last, actually, let's look at Acts 20, 28. So same chapter in the book of Acts. Remember, Paul called for the elders. Well, in Acts 20, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. So he's talking to them now. And look at what he says. He says, pay attention to the flock. There's that shepherding idea uh, in which the Holy Spirit has made you, there's the word, overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so as Paul's addressing these elders, he's reminding them, hey, you're also overseers. You're also there to be a a steward and a guardian and a manager to make sure things are done right. And then this last title, pastor, and this is, again, literally a shepherd or a herdsman. If you saw somebody on the side of the road who's out there with the sheep, you go, that, that's a shepherd, okay? But in a metaphoric sense, it was used quite a bit uh, to, to describe the person who was um, the leader of an assembly, okay? So it was used in the Greek tradition, it was used again in Jewish tradition, and in the Christian tradition to describe whoever was in charge of the gathering, but the idea of shepherd, using that idea, is more than just being in charge, being in charge with a certain expectation of care, right? So you would expect this person to not only give you direction or lead, but also to lead with a way where like, I feel cared about. This person cares about me. And this is the idea here. It's, a, it's the leader of the assembly. Um, and so you could think about this, a person who leads with care would be maybe another way you could think of that one. Hopefully, if you work underneath somebody's leadership at work, you feel cared for, not just given directives. You feel like they actually care about you. And that's a shepherd. Now, how do we pull all this together? There's actually a place in Ephesians 4 that uses shepherd as an official title. If you want to see it, Ephesians 4.11, he gave the apostles, um, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. See, that, that's that word just used as a title there to describe in a specific way how these leaders were doing ministry they were there to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of christ all right so how does this all come together then and what do we mean um, when we're talking about our elders here at the church and so we can go back to the slides this is a way to think about it it's like even though each of these titles conveys maybe a unique and specific 
um, description of responsibility or duty, they, when we're talking about it interchangeably, we can see how they overlap, okay? So if you have somebody serving in this capacity, um, that particular individual may be better at shepherding, but if they're in that capacity, they're also called to be an overseer, uh, and they're also called to be an elder. You can kind of see that overlap. We have eight elders at our church. Uh, actually, we're, we have six elders at our church right now, and, and we all have a different strength and a different set of weaknesses as it comes to our responsibilities and duties. Some of us are better at the overseeing. Some of us are better at the shepherding. Some of us are better at the eldering. But we're all responsible for all, and we work together um, and in a way that when we work together, it's meant to, to serve you well and to, care for you, to provide care for you. All right, so again, you put all this together. What we're talking about are the wise counselors, the stewards, and the shepherds. We're talking about a person who has experience, wisdom, and authority, who is responsible for seeing that things are done correctly by others, and who, is, who leads the assembly with care. So when Mike Devenuto came out here, what we're saying is he is an elder of our church, and he is, he's one of these men. He's a wise counselor, a steward, and a shepherd. He's a person who has experience, wisdom, and authority, responsible for seeing that things are done correctly, and he's going to lead you with care. And again, depending on which elder you're interacting with, you're going to find strengths and weaknesses among these responsibilities. Now, when we begin to look then, okay, what does the Bible say these, these guys are supposed to be doing? Okay, are they just sitting around and giving orders? What are they doing? The scriptures actually give us um, a list of things that elders are responsible for. These are the duties of elders, overseers, and pastors. First of all, to minister to the church through prayer. This comes early on, like Acts 6. We see the apostles were getting overwhelmed by like all the things going on. And so they appoint um, some volunteers to come in and help them serve, which was more than likely the first set of deacons so that they can get back to one of the things was the ministry of prayer. They were so busy with like making sure tables were set up and all these sorts of things that they weren't able to like care for people with prayer. So ministry of prayer, but along with that was the ministry of the word. To provide for you, to teach for you, to preach God's word. So in a way, when Jesus tells Peter, go feed the sheep, he's talking, hey, Peter, go give them my word. Teach this to them call them to this preach this to them in addition to that elders are responsible for protecting the sound doctrine of the church that's really important the sound doctrine of the church it keeps us from drifting or falling under the influence of false teachers uh, elders are responsible for shepherding or leading the church with care stewarding the church and its resources towards the mission of jesus and then exercising oversight now, we've got um, four guys right now in our elder uh, mentorship and just recently invited them to come in and start auditing some of our meetings and see what that, kind of see what that looks like behind the scenes. And I think it was eye-opening for a couple of them, like, oh, I didn't realize that elders, like, touch so many different pieces of the church. I thought we just, you know, got together and prayed for people and, you know, ministered through the Word. I didn't realize that we were also responsible for stewarding, the, you know, the, the tithes and offerings and those sorts of things. So what I want to do now is just quickly just give you like, how does this play out at Solid Rock? Because you, this may be the first church you've ever been at that uses the title elders. Maybe. Or you may have grown up in a church that uses the word elders, but you've never really heard the word overseer. You may have grown up in a tradition that uses the word pastors. Okay, so how does that play out at 
solid rock. And how do we distinguish between those two roles? What's the difference? Well, first of all, can I say, from a biblical perspective, it's the same qualifications. So if you run into Pastor Blake or Elder Daniel, you can know that 1 Timothy 3 qualifications have been met. Like there's a certain set of qualifications you have to meet, right, to serve in that capacity. The difference will come out in the way that we disperse duties. And really, I'll just put it as simply as I can. This will hopefully be helpful. The difference comes out really in the scope of how they carry out those duties and how um, they give their time to those things. So when you hear the word pastor at Solid Rock, okay, you're, we're talking about Pastor Blake, Pastor Nick, Pastor Jason, soon we'll have uh, Pastor Clovis. Our new youth minister is going into our pastoral residency, and God willing, he'll be ordained, and we'll have Pastor Alex. Um, what we're talking about are those who have been in charge with everything I just described up here, but to lead in a narrow scope of responsibility within the church, and that person is on staff because it takes them at least, you know, a certain number of hours to get that kind of stuff done, right? So it's, it has to do with scope of work and the quantity of time um, that they are to invest to make sure that that happens. So you would expect Pastor Blake and everything he's responsible for to lead that with a certain set of like expectations you would have for any elder. But we, his title is pastor because it's a narrower scope within the church and we need, we need about 40 hours from him to make that happen. Um, Daniel, I'll just use Daniel or Mike. These guys have jobs, 40 hours. So they don't have another 40 hours to give. So the difference then for our, our elders would be this, is that they give their time to the larger scope of responsibility of the whole church. That's the distinction we draw there. And there are a couple of us that are both pastors and elders. So Nick and I are on staff, and we serve with elders, but our elder responsibilities are volunteer. It's not part of our job description. So in the same way, um, you know, Daniel has a full-time job, and then he serves as an elder. I have a full-time job here, and I serve as an elder. Okay? And really, the main difference is just scope and the quantity of time. Hopefully that, hopefully that simplifies it for you. We don't use the word overseer here, uh, but we do a lot of overseeing. Like, we, like the responsibilities are still baked into what we do. So hopefully that's helpful for you. Now, what I want to do is I want to start moving towards how this is meant to be a blessing for you, a blessing for the church. So one of the things that Peter writes here is he, he calls these um, individuals to be an example to the flock. Okay, there's a good starting point. Um, if you were at Wednesday night worship, Wednesday worship, Jeff Weiler was preaching out of Philippians 3. And in that passage, verse 17 says this. This is um, Paul writing. He says, brothers, he's talking to the church, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Okay, so the misunderstanding of something like that could be Paul saying, hey, I got this down. Just do what I do. Try to be like me. Okay, you aren't called to be like Paul, and you aren't called to be like Pastor Nick, and you aren't called to be like me. You're actually called to be like Jesus. And so whatever example we might set for you is meant to help you be more like him, not like us. That's not what is meant here by be an example. Show them how to be like you. It'd be more like if you were a freshman on a varsity team, 
the role of the upperclassmen would be to set the example for you. Not that you would become like them, but that you would become the best version of yourself you could be one day. And so they kind of show you the ropes and this is how you do it. So think um, less of like a pyramid. You know, Paul's at the top of the pyramid. He's like, hey, keep working your way up the ladder. Eventually you'll be like me. Take that idea and lay it down on its side. And all Paul is saying is, hey, look to those people in your church who are just a little bit further down the journey. They're not above you, right? In a sense that like they've got it down and you don't. They're just on the same journey you're on. And, and the elders in your church should be Christians who are just a little bit further down the road than you. They don't have more value to, than you. They're not more important to God. God doesn't hear their prayers better than he hears yours. It's a big misunderstanding. Hey, pastor, will you pray for me? I'd love to pray for you. Good, because I know you've got a closer connection with God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I'm honored to pray for you, but not to fulfill that expectation. <laughs> See, that's like this. I, I don't, I'm not closer to God than you. I don't have a big red phone in my office drawer. And I slide it out for the special prayer. Hey, God, it's me. I know I talked to you yesterday, but I got another church member here who needs some help. No. But in a sense, I, I, as a pastor and an elder in the church, I should be on, in my relationship with God, I should be leading in a, in a way that's leading you to Christ and serving as an example. That's what I think he's getting at here. And then he describes the way that these men are to lead, not under compulsion, but willingly. Um, all of our elders serve voluntarily, <laughs> uh, but sometimes, sometimes it gets, uh, the work is hard. And sometimes there's a desire or a, a lack of desire or less desire than others to want to do the job. Um, but there's got to be this willingness to it. Like ultimately, I'm des I desire to do this to serve you. Um, one of the reasons last year we went to sabbaticals, like it was hard too. Like Dan was hard. Like, like who wants to go first? Not me. I actually like what I do. There's this willingness to, to want to serve the people in this capacity, yet it's hard work. Um, it, can, it can begin to feel weighty at times. And so we've built into the rhythm a break so that our elders can maintain this willingness, not feeling like they're under some kind of obligation. We want you to know if you approach an elder, email, catch them out here, that they don't feel obligated to meet with you. We want you to know that. You're not an inconvenience to your elders. Second thing he says is not for shameful game, but eagerly. That's the idea of being willing to do it without any benefit to yourself. We want you to know that the elders who serve in that capacity here do it because they care for you and they're thinking about what Jesus said to Peter, go feed the sheep, care for the sheep, tend to the sheep. Not for, not for gain. There's not an elder who gets paid for being an elder here. And I don't, I'm trying to think of any benefits that come with being an elder. <laughs> like the benefit would be um, getting to be near you. That's a benefit for us getting to be near you, even though sometimes that means being near you in some difficult things. Um, but, there, but it's the idea that we don't do it for the game. We do it because we care. So next um, in verse four, let's pick this back up and read four and five. And this is again, gonna begin to move us towards the blessing of God's design, I believe. 
So he's already referred to these elders as men who shepherd the flock and they're examples to the flock. And then he puts this reminder in. It's such a good reminder. Verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and say who that is. Who's the chief shepherd? Okay, that's the right answer. There actually is a chief shepherd and it's Jesus. When he appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we're going to talk now um, about humility. Um, oftentimes when we talk about humility here, we'll talk about being right-sized. Um, we'll explain why we use that, that, that explanation. First of all, as it relates to a chief shepherd, and then you've got elders, and you've got a congregation. Those of you who are younger, I think it's speaking spiritually. Okay, it's not the idea, if I had a dry erase board, I was going to do it this way. It's not like we have a chief shepherd, and he's way up here, and he's this tall, he's this big, he's just huge. And then you got all the, the flock, the people of the church, and they're way down here, and somehow the elders are the in-between. I want you to keep that picture in your mind for a minute. Although you may have never even thought of it that way, we often, as elders, get treated as though we're a little bigger than you, but not quite as big as Jesus. Okay? So we talk about being right-sized. <laughs> we're talking about is there's only one chief shepherd, Jesus, he's way up here, and we are, we're the same height as you. Okay, you, you with me? So elders and pastors are not these men who are just a little bit better than you, a little bit above you, a little bit bigger than you in the kingdom, and so therefore they got to tend to the poor, helpless little sheep down here, and one day the chief shepherd's going to show up, right, and, and will do whatever he does. It's not at all what, what's happening here. Clothe yourselves, all of you. He's addressed elders, and he's addressed those who are younger. He's saying, clothe yourselves, all of you, in what? In humility, by being right-sized. To the elders, don't think of yourself as above the people. You're not spiritually bigger than, spiritually more important than. If there's an elder who sees himself that way, he's not right-sized. He needs to be what? Humbled. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Now, we'll come back to that in a minute. I want to hold that illustration. He says there, then, to those who are younger, to be subject to the elders. This is, this is leading to a place of actual blessing. The idea here is a willingness to follow the lead of someone, the willingness to entrust yourself under their care. It's a voluntary thing on behalf of the sheep. He's already told the elders, don't lead right, out of compulsion in a domineering way, and I didn't actually unpack the word domineering here, is to use power to get things done. So he's told elders, don't, don't lead the people that way. So he's not asking you to put yourself under a domineering leader. Are you with me? Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. And so your call to be subject to the elders is to willingly entrust yourself under the care and leadership of elders. Willingly seeing it, first of all, as a virtue to willingly submit yourself to church leadership, but to do it in such a way 
that leads to blessing, that leads to care. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Those of you who are younger, be subject to the elders. I want to say this. If you find yourself in a position where that's a struggle, you're like, oh, I just, I don't know. A couple things could be going on. One, could have, you could be thinking about submitting yourself to somebody who is not an elder qualified leader. You may have been in a situation at church, maybe part of your story, where you're like, oh, I don't think I could follow. And this person, when I look at their life, I look at 1 Timothy 3 and it doesn't align. So I'm struggling to submit myself. That's a real thing. There are leaders in churches who are not qualified to be there. It happens. The second thing may be is that you may have some of those experiences in your past. Maybe you've even been wounded or hurt by a church leader. And so you actually may be under somebody who is qualified to lead you, but the thought of it kind of triggers that past hurt. You're like, I don't know if I want to be hurt again. So, so I get that hesitation to go, I don't, I don't know if I want to follow the lead of this guy or these guys, this group. And so there's some things to think about for you just to think, well, where's this coming from? Is it actually an issue I have with that person? If so, there's process I can go through to work through it. But is this, this could be an issue I have with somebody else. Maybe from when I was a teenager or something happened when I was a kid. And you might need help with that. So I just want to talk through that real quick as we, as we move forward. But really where I want to land here is this idea of what does humility mean and what do we mean by right size? So every person in this room has an ego. Some of the wives are like, finally. You're going to tell him about it? Yes, I am going to tell him about it. And you have one too. Um, we use ego primarily in a negative way here in kind of our context. Like, oh, that dude's really got an ego. Did you see the way he was whatever? But ego is, we all have an ego, okay? Um, sometimes we refer to this as like self-esteem or self-worth or the way you view yourself, but you have a way you view yourself, okay? So inflated ego, all right, that's what we tend to think about. Somebody, when we say that person has ego, it's inflated. They're thinking too much of themselves, too highly of themselves. They are prideful, okay? That's inflated ego, but we also have, you can interact with somebody, maybe this is you, who has deflated ego. Like you have n no positive thoughts about yourself. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you like nothing about what you see. And so you see yourself in a very critical way or disgraceful way. You think too lowly of yourself. This is why we like to use the word right-sized. So the deflated ego needs to be, or the inflated ego needs to be what? Deflated brought down here but a deflated ego may need to be brought up to being right-sized you may have lost sight of the fact that you are an image bearer you may have lost sight of the fact that if you're in Christ you're a child of the king sons and daughters of the most high God you have value and worth because he created it and put it in you whether you make varsity or not whether you excel to CEO or not and so right size is seeing yourself rightly. Here's where this plays into our relationship between church leadership and the church. 
if you have too high a view of the elders and pastors at church, specifically Solid Rock, or too low a view of yourself, here's some things that I think we'll see happen. First of all, you'll expect too much out of your church leadership. Follow me? Not right-sized. You, you see yourself down here, and the elders are way up here closer to Jesus, and Jesus is right above them. You'll expect too much out of church leadership. You'll expect church leaders to have more answers than they actually have. You will expect church leaders to have more time available than they actually have. And you will expect your church leaders to be closer to moral perfection than they actually are. You may have an inflated view of elders that's not right-sized. You're seeing them too big. Or maybe you see yourself as too small. And the other thing that will happen, and this is where blessing gets interrupted. You will avoid asking church leadership for help or let them know what you need. You will avoid doing that. This is happening too much at Solid Rock Church. Avoiding, hesitating. If you have too high view of the elders or too low view of yourself, you will hesitate to let the shepherds provide care for you. That makes us sad, doesn't it, Daniel? I'm Mike, I see you back there. Like it breaks our heart when, when you hear that you have a meeting with the elders and you automatically think you're in trouble. It's too high of you of an elder or maybe too low of you of yourself. So you'll avoid asking for help or letting your needs be known. You feel like you're in trouble at the thought of meeting with church leadership, whether that's Pastor Blake or, again, Mike, who was up here, or Larry or one of the guys. You will feel like you are an inconvenience and that you're not worth taking time from church leadership. You can say it if you feel it, but I want you to know it breaks my heart when you say, hey, I know you're busy, but, but can, can we have, a, I, I hate to interrupt you, I know you're really busy, but can we set up a meeting? I am really busy and you're worth my time. Like, I'm not going to go, I got nothing going on. Yeah, come on. No, like we're going to have to work to find a place on the calendar. That's true, but you're worth it. You're worth Mike and Daniel and Larry and Nick's time. Ken's time. By the way, I haven't mentioned Ken Forsythe today because he's fishing at Lake Whitney playing hooky from church. He's being right-sized, and I love it. But you'll feel like you're an inconvenience, and then you potentially may do this. You'll minimize what you need by comparing yourself to others who need more attention than you do. Ah, mine's not as bad as theirs. I, I don't want to buy. I know you've got bigger things to do. See how that's not right size? It's the wrong size. You, see, you may be seeing an elder is too big or yourself is too small. Hey, we have a chief shepherd, and I'm not him. Daniel's not him. Mike's not him. Larry's not him. Ken's not him. Nick's not him. Blake's not him. When Clovis gets here, he's not the chief shepherd. We're just under shepherds. We're just, lay that, lay that triangle down. We're on the same journey, standing on the same ground. When we, when we encourage you to follow our example, we're actually pointing to somebody better. Be like him. Don't be like us. I want to end today with just some questions for reflection, and hopefully you're able to get to the place of 
seeing how potentially you might be missing out on, on the blessing. Listen, I can't bless you, but you can find blessing by placing yourself under the care of elders. If you can't get to a place where you can trust and put yourself under the care of elders here, I want you to be at a church where you can. I really do. It makes me sad to think that you might be a sheep who isn't receiving the care and the blessing of having elders lead you and care for you. One last piece about being right-sized. This is so important. I'm not enough to care for all you. Daniel's not enough. Blake's not enough. Nick's not enough. But together, we can create enough space to care for you. So oftentimes, meeting with an elder means you're meeting with at least two so that we can all be right-sized and we can create the space to care for you. Now, what does this look like practically? This is why we say, hey, at the end of the service out in the commons, there's going to be elders wearing lanyards. Like, that's, that's, that's meant to be like a, 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 a care move. Like, we want you to know who we are. Like, come grab us. You don't think you have to come get me because I was the guy up on stage talking. Find an elder. We put lanyards on so you can find us and say, hey, I need, I need some care. I need some attention. I need to make my needs known. And so I hope you'll do that. Here's some questions to think about. Let's start with this. What feelings or thoughts come up for you when you hear that word, elder, pastor, or church leader? What comes up for you? Does it give you a sense of like protection and safety and, and do automatically you feel like, oh, I'm cared for when I think about those people? Or do you feel fear or anger or sadness? Like what comes up for you when you hear that? Does it maybe trigger memories of other experiences you've had? Maybe experiences you've had here? Solid rock. Next question is this, is kind of in that same vein of thought, is has today's sermon brought up any past confusion or hurt for you? Maybe this is the first time it's ever been laid out for you. You're like, oh, that's what the title means and that's what they're supposed to be doing. So maybe it's been confusing or maybe it's brought up some hurt. Hurt even from within solid rock. Maybe you have been let down, disappointed, or hurt by an elder or pastor here. What do you do with that? We want you to bring that to us. Remember, we're right-sized. We want, to be, we want to be here with you. We can't be up here. We won't meet these expectations. Let us know. Next question is this, is how do you, how do you feel when you think about placing yourself under the leadership and care of pastors and elders at Solid Rock? Being known. Maybe even being vulnerable and being needy. Like, how does, that, how does that feel to you? Does it feel like foreign territory and like, I don't know how to make that happen? Or that sounds scary. It's like going to the principal's office. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get detention. I'm asking you to think about this because what I want you to see is how what you may be thinking or feeling is different from the blessing that God intends. And then just lastly, in what way is God calling you to be right-sized today? And my guess is, maybe a few of us in here who need to be deflated, there's probably a lot of us in here who are way down here. And you don't, you don't want to approach an elder or pastor and ask for prayer because you don't feel like you're big enough, you're important enough, your situation is enough. And, and so I just want you to think about how do you need to be right-sized today? How can you clothe yourself with humility today 
out of what you've heard from 1 Peter 5. I'm going to pray for us now, and as I do, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to be available. Our prayer partners are men and women who their sole purpose of being up front is to pray for you. Um, and just so you know, sometimes it's hard to hear in here. We intentionally put prayer rooms out in the commons area. So you can grab a prayer partner and say, hey, can we go out to the prayer room? I, yeah, absolutely. You, the weather's beautiful. Go out on that turf area. Grab a porch. You can move out of this space, but they're here to pray for you. And then I'll ask our elders who are present for this service to have the lanyard on, and we'll be out in the commons um, ready to meet you if you need us, okay? It's good to be with you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And God, the way your word is informative and it's corrective, um, it's even healing. And um, Father, just want to be, um, first of all, a voice among the, the elders and pastors here at Solid Rock. God, to confess that we, um, we don't have all the answers. We have not arrived. We, like Paul, are still pressing forward and striving to let go of what's behind us. Father, thank you for giving Solid Rock Church this, this group of men to lead with all of our weaknesses and imperfections. God, you've given these men a heart, first for you and second for your people. God, there may be somebody here today who really needs the care of a pastor or elder, and so today would be that day that you would give them the courage to, to approach an elder and set up a conversation or a meeting and begin moving towards being cared for. Um, Father, I pray that what you've ordered for the church would become blessing to this family, this flock, this church. And Lord Jesus, my last thing I'm going to pray for, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, who thinks that I'm just up here talking to some foreign deity or some make-believe God, that today would be the day of salvation, Lord Jesus. If somebody here does not know you, that you would move them to talk to one of our prayer partners, one of our pastors, one of our elders, about how to become a Christian today. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.